0: Welcome everybody to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybalt Inc. My name is Pete Wright, and I am here with Howard Tybel Good morning again. Good morning again. How are you, I'm my in friend? A good this morning, I'm I'm, I'm good. Why I'm, Why are you in such a good mood? What happened today that affected your mood so positively?
1: Nothing, and that's exactly my point. <laughs> the bar Nothing's is fairly. Uh, the bar is either really no. low or really
0: high for it's,
1: you. No, it's the no news is good news day. All right. I can deal All with right? that. I can deal All with right, that.
0: Go. I'm pretty That's excited good. about our conversation today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are we are continuing our ongoing series on governance, this time uh, from the trustee perspective. And to help shed some light on the trustee perspective of governance, you would think that we, we should have started with this gentleman. I don't know how it's taken us so many episodes to finally get here. <laughs> this week, we have trustee uh, Larry Baker. Dr. Baker serves as medical director for the Emergency Department of Unity Point Health in Des Moines. Des Moines, Iowa. But for our conversation, his most important role is as trustee serving on the board of Des Moines University Osteopathic Medical Center. Good morning, Dr. Baker. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Howard, why don't you set the stage for us about why uh, it is uh, what we're looking for as we tackle the art and science of governance uh, with uh, Dr. Baker this morning.
1: Well, I mean, we're getting right to the heart of the matter here. And that's why I'm so thankful, Larry, that you're going to be, we're going to be in a conversation with you about this because, you know, at the heart of, the conversations I think all boards are engaged in is what are the big issues we should be focusing on and in how do we engage in this conversation around change? You know, there is keeping the trains running. There's stay of the course. There's some institutions that are probably doing as well as they ever have. And, and, but many institutions are, are being smart and stepping back and saying we have to look and see how we can be better. And in some cases we might have to re really rethink the business model. And one of the things that I really wanted to get into with you was this this whole how how do boards engage in these conversations? One of the things that when when you look at the work you do within your own board, but also the work in your discussions with colleagues, you know, how are you approaching this this sea change of accelerated change, uh, in the context of a board structure and a board process that's been around, you know, for anywhere from 50 to 150 years, and for the most part, operates the same. And you know, one of the things I'm hoping that we talk about is, you know, what are some things we can do that other boards can take advantage of to move to the next level. So, well, let me just kick this off with that 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 idea of, you know, when you look at the landscape of what's happening now in higher education and you think about the role of the board in that, what what comes to mind for
2: you, uh, what the board's role is in that conversation? Uh, well, I, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, wow, overwhelming challenge. Um, but, but then then you can step back and say, well, does it really need to be that hard? And uh, what, what I think we did is, I mean, you used the phrase, stepping back, and I think your characterization of this is is very accurate. Some of of our institutions uh, collectively have been around for 50, 100, 150 years, and maybe we're not functioning a whole lot differently than we did in times past. So, at least for our institution, um, I think we collectively uh, made a commitment to doing just that, stepping back and asking ourselves, what is best practice and just like most businesses and other organizations, best practice exists and is uh, freely accessible uh, if you just seek consultation. And we just tried to seek best practices and tried to identify what might work for us and emulate that. And in our case, we, we, uh, we turned to AGB Consulting and started to work with consultants and teams with the AGB and made progress in that way.
1: That's fantastic because, you know, one of the, when, when a consulting engagement works well, what you're really taking advantage of is the benefit of the the resource or the partner having had experience elsewhere and being able to bring that to your institution and, and, and be able to think outside the box. I mean, you're, as the trustee, you have a stake in, uh, in the outcome. And bringing in someone who doesn't have that stake but can lead an unbiased conversation can be very helpful. You know, we just had a really interesting conversation with uh, Steve Fowle, who, is the, who was the faculty chair at Loyola, Maryland. He's on sabbatical now. and He talked about something I thought was really profound and interesting is is this idea that when shared governance works well, and I'm going to talk about it from the point of view of the board. Uh, respecting those outside of our group, so for the board to look at the faculty, for the board to work with administration, to recognize, and I'm going to even use this this phrase, accessing our ignorance. There's so much that we, we know so much, but we also have incomplete information about what's happening. And, and I'm curious about how do you lead, as a trustee, your board through that conversation to be interested in learning more and not to jump into the conclusions about what we have to do because what's in the chronicle and uh, in, 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 in getting them to move in the right direction to, to raise their understanding of what, of what the whole academic environment, and what it looks like. How do you do that?
2: One method is by inserting humor when appropriate. Uh, I, th- I, think, I, think, I think many of us in our, in our work, and I mean, look, I'm an emergency physician, so, you know, it doesn't get much more serious than that. But nonetheless, you have to use a little humor from time to time to lighten the day. But um, I think, too, I've taken some from cues from uh, my, other, my, my real work and uh, realized that we all function in teams and if you get and if you get the notion that we all function in teams and accept that as um, as a team member we all have a role all a legitimate role and there's less of a hierarchy than we believe we break down some of those barriers that uh, might otherwise impair our ability to communicate honestly and effectively and um, i think that for us at least led to a realization that, it, it, you know, we we in the boardroom we must embrace an environment uh, and a culture that allows for uh, competing dialogue, that it's okay to disagree, and that allows us to put our cards on the table and find best practices, identify that, and move forward.
0: What it's fascinating to me, you're getting to something that I that I had not thought of, and I'm coming at from the perspective of a faculty member, and so, you know, when I uh, go into our institutional faculty meetings, you know, and there's upset and unrest, it usually comes from this lack of kind of respect of, of you know, of administration or one another, or, but we always classify the board as, you know, this big, single, autonomous unit. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, what it means to arrive at, uh, you know, a, a face challenging situations when the board itself does isn't in agreement?
2: Uh, well, that was very common as we embarked on this uh, evolution. And um, I, I think um, you, you mentioned the word respect, which is a very powerful word uh, and a very powerful dynamic in any organization. And uh, without respect and a balance of integrity and accountability, uh, then we have a house of cards. Um, the faculty, I believe in any and uh, at least in our organization, I can't speak for others, um, uh, has to be respected, and the faculty in turn, I believe, deserves to respect its administration and its board. But that is a three-legged stool that, if in fact e- any one of them are not communicating clearly or demonstrating integrity at the highest level, Uh, becomes an imbalance that uh, I think justifiably deserves some uh, scrutiny. So, you know, from the board standpoint, uh, if the faculty comes directly to the board, which in our organizational structure was, I felt, inappropriate, and which did did actually happen on two occasions, it was my responsibility then to respond to the faculty leadership to say, we have a great deal of respect for you uh, please manage yourself and organize your, uh, direction of concern to your rightful direction in the organization to your president. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so again, it comes down to, uh, I think a, a strong concept of understanding your, your roles, your authority, your responsibility, and your accountability. And when we get those boundaries confused, I think that is uh, that. That's where we run into a lot of problems. You know, it's interesting because I think it's a dual-edged sword with this this idea of boundaries. I think
1: boundaries are so helpful for people to understand where they need to engage, you know, and where they don't need to engage. The other the, the flip side of that is getting engagement, you know, getting the appropriate engagement from the different groups where. There is a sense of operating as a team, you know, that that the faculty do feel that their voice is being heard all the way through administration to the board and vice versa, that the board has a connection to what the faculty are doing. So how do you balance this appropriate engagement uh, so that those boundaries are clear? Because I think there's an inherent tension in finding, you know, I've heard presidents say we don't want. We don't want uh, the board determining how we're supposed to do our jobs. We we need them to be responsible for the overall fiduciary health of the institution. And there are some core areas you know, around the mission that we need them to focus on. But ultimately the work of navigating this is ours. And I've seen where it's gone too much in the area where the board has inserted itself in administration. And I've also seen the opposite, where the board has been very disengaged in the process. And as a result, they haven't sort of lived up to the responsibility. So how do you find that right balance, you know, as trustee
2: of your board? Uh, Challenging question. First of all, um, I I would... I would say to you that uh, it's not a perfect uh, dynamic and it is a dynamic. And I believe you uh, you start by educating all of the parties on um, on just what the uh, true uh, uh, authority and accountability and responsibility are to each role. And you keep teaching that and you keep coming back to that and you keep coming back and refining that and you use, uh, like your faculty your retreats to, to challenge each other and, and even do case studies to, to show how it's done and how it should not be done and why it shouldn't be done for a given reasons in medicine. We use that, uh, commonly in, in, you know, in case studies to, for our continuous learning. Um, so I, th- I think the retreats are a good thing for that, and at least in our, in our, uh, environment, we used to take the board off site every year, uh, out of state to do a retreat. We changed that, brought the, our board back on site. Why? Well, for a number of reasons. One, it was the fiduciarily responsible thing to do. And secondly, it was, it allowed us to engage much more of our university community with the board at the retreat to touch on all of these subjects. Finally, I'll say, uh, in any relationship, if any of us are married, which I happen to be, if I don't communicate with my wife on a regular basis, pretty soon, uh, after about three or four days, I'm working on assumptions, which is deadly. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, uh, the structure, uh, in which you organize regular meetings with your constituents, whoever that might be. In my case, it's with my president on a regular scheduled basis, I think is very important and it allows you not to get too far off course mutually. So that's what I advocate.
1: So basically you're telling us that on the side, you're also a marriage counselor. (laughs) This is (laughs) impressive. I don't know where you find
0: the time for all this stuff. (laughs) <laughs> better, better question, Larry. Is your wife available for a follow-up show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, she's yeah. yes, of course she would be. Because we, we we're interested in your story. We're also interested in the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. Fair, fair, you enough. Know, <laughs> fair enough. What's
1: interesting about what you're saying that you know. I, I, I do a lot of of, uh, standing in front of teams and working with teams. And very often I find myself saying things that I realize is common sense, but common sense flies out the window when we're overstressed and we have too much to do. Well, I think a core concept that you just brought out that makes so much sense, but I think we forget about, but it's your mindset that you bring to this, is this idea that at the heart of doing this well is that there has to be a foundation of respect, but I think you build off this because your whole focus on, it's about education. It's about educating ourselves about what we know and don't know, and then you do it in the context of team. And to me, that's, that's something I think we can forget very easily. If we've got a challenge on our campus when it has to do with tuition or maybe we have some financial aid issues and we go into our board retreat, we so quickly fall into the weeds talking about all the things that have to happen before we really even understand the issue. And I think one core learning from what you're saying here that I think we can't emphasize enough is that we have to step back and say, what don't we know and how do we educate ourselves and each other so we can have a productive dialogue?
2: Yeah, it is. And may, may I just uh, share with you one of the tools that we used early on because, uh, uh, we and i say early on that was maybe 4 or 5 years ago so in a board retreat that uh, i helped orchestrate with uh, ellen Chaffee, dr Chaffee is one of the senior agb fellows um, we organized a and i wanted to demonstrate to our trustees that even though everybody gets up in the morning and uh, sets out to do a bang up job we all don't to, uh, we all don't agree and the assumption was is that everybody agrees with me. And to demonstrate that, we used a what I call the clickers and formulated a series of short vignettes that were kind of case studies and circumstances. And we used these clickers that would allow us to demonstrate on the screen uh, right away the vote or the choice of the uh, foil answer to the question Uh, just how you reacted to the vignette the point of the story is is that it was a very powerful method to show our board firsthand we don't initially all agree and if you come to that conclusion uh early on i mean it is a game changer amazing. What I love about this is that, you know, most people will do the
1: clicker technology because they want to be able to amass data in real time. It sounds like you went in intentionally to say, let's use this to demonstrate a point. Exactly. Which is very powerful because if, you know, for people to realize, wow, we, we, we are all sitting with such private, different points of view and it's not obvious when we call in individuals and a few people agree or disagree, it appears that there's more consensus than there really is. There's always consensus in
2: our own minds. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and, and isn't the paradox that we try to develop uh, a strong board by having a variety of talent on that board that has, has may maybe a strength in finance or a strength in banking or this or that. And, and then expl- expect them to come to a board meeting uh, engaging in a completely different industry, education, and, and believe that somehow we might be able to be all speaking the same language.
0: How do we come to that conclusion? It gets to sort of an interesting point, which is how do you uh, find alignment around the mission of the institution, right? And this was, this was, again, a conversation from the faculty perspective, which is, you know, what what about, uh, you know, how many of the board members actually are in touch with the classroom experience where essentially the rubber meets the road, right? Uh, how many of them are aware with the actual operation of the institution that, uh, that, that happens sort of at street level? And how do you, how do you maintain touch? So that from the board level, you can also feel like you're doing really the work of the mission of the institution.
2: I think that's the challenge of communication. And um, I would I would say that the, that is the charge of the faculty leadership to be able to respectfully articulate to that uh, to the board and to management. Um, you know, it is certainly not the, the uh, requirement that everybody that sits on the board has been an alumni of the university. In fact, that may be counterproductive. Uh, so I, I, I believe that gets back to the charge that we all have to, to come with an open mind, to learn our role, to learn the challenges of each of the constituents within the organization, and then to be able to dialogue responsibly and, um, and, um, uh, fervently, passionately for the mission of the university.
1: You know, so when I think about, you know, the transition from trustee to trustee and, you know, you get to observe the next one coming on and, and then you take on the role and have to live it over a period of time. What would you say to people just starting on being a trustee uh, of a board uh, that you've had the benefit now, looking back, you'd say, you know what? Had I known this, here's how I may have handled it differently, or here's what I really should have been aware of, or I, I was aware of. What, what would you tell a new trustee of a board uh, that would be, from your perspective, uh, would have been useful for you if you knew it when you first took the job?
2: Well, that's that's a that's a very interesting question, and I really think that that goes back to a, uh, a responsibility of board leadership to develop a uh, a well-rounded um, uh, new trustee orientation process and all of those questions should be asked and answered before the trustee agrees to uh, to join a board because there should be a well articulated set of expectations as to... Uh, why is it that you're being asked to be on this board, and what is it that we expect of you? And I think, uh, frankly, just looking over my uh, understanding of organizations, uh, we we could always do a better job of that. When, uh, When I joined our board 14 years ago, I don't think we had any sort of written expectations of uh, our trustees it was really more or less thought of as an honor to be a, asked to be a member of the board well uh that in that short period of time um has shifted substantially uh there's a lot of work to being a trustee and there are expectations and if that's not articulated shame on the leadership of the board you know, I think that uh, that's a
1: perfect example of the kind of thing that you mentioned AGB earlier, that uh, an organization like AGB can really support institutions to take that next step in terms of making it more transparent and more um, the practice is more explicit about what does it mean to be here? What's our role? How do we work together and, and, you know, take advantage of the kind of uh, institutional awareness they have because of all the boards they work with. So I, I think that's, that's something that all boards can, no matter where they are, can be thinking about and the trustees, how do I take it to the next step?
0: I, I love that advice. Why do you serve on the board? Right now. And I should say, uh, if you had known then what you know now, would you have still said yes?
2: I support the mission, vision and values of the organization. It's my alma mater and I I want it to uh, I want to continue to flourish. I also felt like uh, there there was um, opportunity to 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 do better, to be better and, uh, and and wanted to be a part of that success. Uh, that said, I also uh, appreciate that by putting certain processes in place, um, as we have over the last five years of of engaging consultants like the AGB, of uh, putting and recognizing best practices in place, uh, that 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 there's reasonable um, confidence that the organization, at least from the board level uh, and thereby the, the organization as a whole will continue to flourish without me so that I can get out of here. <laughs> if, <laughs> but it, but, but it doesn't, and my, I'm, I'm, a, I'm being a little uh, silly about that, but the fact of the matter is uh, it isn't about me. It's, it should be about others uh, climbing on the same bus, and saying yeah this is this is good, I like this, I like what's in place, I understand it it's well articulated it's clear to me, and I know where we're going and i can I can buy into that, and I don't have to be driving the bus That's well i excellent. can't
0: I can't think of a better way to wrap it up than that me too let's get out of here, howard, final comments
1: uh final comments just i'm just I'm thrilled with the um The insight that you bring in, you know, I had a, had a conversation with Ellen and she said to me about you is that one of the things that you do as well as anybody she's ever seen is that relationship building. So it's obvious from just the discussion why she said that to me. So thank you for, for sharing some of your thoughts with
2: us. My, my privilege. I appreciate the time, gentlemen. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you this is uh, dr. Larry Baker serves as the uh, as trustee on the Des Moines University Osteopathic Medical Center board this is an ongoing conversation on governance governance you can find more about the show at tybolink.com uh, where we have set up a special page where you can see uh, all of the uh, the conversations all in one place to get these different perspectives and now uh, added to our governance wall of fame uh, the trustee perspective with uh, Larry Baker so thank you all who have decided to join the show listen to the show download and subscribe for free in iTunes. We certainly appreciate uh, all of your attention on behalf of Howard Tybel and Dr. Larry Baker. I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybel Inc.